Welcome back. Thursday, April 27th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. We have Bill, the lead dog, uh, back uh, slumming it here as my producer pro tem for the day. Good to have you here, Bill, at the controls. David Dahl, our new producer, our newly installed producer, is uh, out uh, prepping uh, prepping the event for Cigar Night with Dennis Prager uh, a little bit later. So all will be back to status quo ante ante tomorrow. But, Bill, it's nice to have you. And, Ramon, it's good to see you, too, even though you and I were at Daggers Drawn earlier over a cultural dispute. We can get into that if you want a little bit more. The interesting thing to me about Randy Weingarten's testimony yesterday, she being the head of the American Federation of Teachers, her testimony that memory hold all her efforts to keep schools closed during COVID. The interesting thing about it was not the memory holding, not the attempt to revise her and the AFTs and its affiliates recent history. The interesting thing to me was the motive and the reminder that the American Federation of Teachers is not about the health and safety or education of our children. It's about the members. It's about the adults, the advancement of the health and income and rights and beliefs of the adults. And if children can be used or are used along the way, that's irrelevant. This is why, for example, the AFT weighs in on so many issues of policy that don't really have anything to do with teachers' rights, including the defense of critical race theory and all manner of progressive policies that really have nothing to do either with reading or arithmetic or any kind of educational or learning advancement. The American Federation of Teachers, like its sister, the National Education Association, is about the adults, not the children. But it will most certainly use the children to get or obtain or attain what the adults want. Again, as Hannah Arendt once put it, using the children's playgrounds as the battlegrounds for the fights of the politics of adults. Now you can get a little bit clearer of an understanding on why I'm so stuck on Joe Biden saying now for the second time that when children are in school, they aren't anybody else's children. That is to say, they aren't their parents' children. They are the nation's children. The use of our children to perpetrate and perpetuate or wage adult political wars. As many of you know, it's a theme I'm consumed with. Whether it was the use of children by catastrophizing them during COVID or whether it is the use of children to eradicate their innocence with child porn in the classroom and sexualize them with drag queen story hours and gender dysphoria ideation or whether it is to racialize the very population that is naturally born and grows up without racial consciousness until and unless society feeds it to and instantiates it into them. It is all another prime example of social and cultural tyranny as demarcated by the worst tyrannies of our lifetimes, be they the USSR, the CCP, or Nazi Germany. The use and misuse of children for adult political propagations. Whisperers, that is what they were sometimes known as, family members in the Soviet Union who would report their kin and kith to the Soviet authorities for being insufficiently dedicated to the revolution, to Marxism. Fascist and Marxist movements always rely on informers, and if there is a better spotlight into what takes place behind closed doors than children, It is only through surveillance 
or other spies, from work colleagues to friends. But the youth from Mao's China to Stalin's Soviet Union to Hitler's Germany were always seen as special, not for their souls and their innocence, but for their ability to assist the state or the permanent revolution. As Vladimir Lenin put it, quote, we need that generation of young people who began to reach political maturity in the midst of a disciplined and desperate struggle against the bourgeois. In this struggle, that generation in training genuine communists, it must subordinate to this struggle and link up with it each step in its studies, education, and training, close quote. Youth leagues are always important to tyrants, as the family unit is a threat because it is separate from the state, under its own authority and control, with its own fathers who replace the patria of the country's leadership. If the relationship is not attenuated by the cause of the revolution, the cause of the state. You may recall yesterday I was quoting Karl Marx on the importance of the dissolution of the family unit and why that was and is such a programmatic desire of the BLM curriculum. You will remember the sad case of Elian Gonzalez. He was once in America for a brief shining moment until, at the behest of the Castro regime in Cuba, he was repatriated. Think of that word, repatriate, of one's fathers, is the Latin origin. And soon enough, we would see the interviews where Elian spoke of Fidel Castro as his, to use his words, father figure. Do you know the story of Pavlik Morozov? It's complicated, but he was a young boy, about 13, who reported on his father to the Soviet authorities. The story is his family then killed the boy. It's all a bit disputed, but what is not disputed is that the Soviet government declared Pavlik Morozov a glorious martyr who had been murdered by reactionaries. Statues of him were built, and numerous schools and youth groups were named in his honor. An opera and numerous songs were written about him in the USSR. Whatever the true story of young Pavlik, the Soviet state created a martyr of him for the purpose of advertising the heroism of turning on your family to protect the Marxist revolutionary leadership. Carol Markowitz, who was born in the USSR, has a piece out today that is must-reading over at Fox News. It's an excerpt from her and Bethany Mandel's new book. Let me quote at some length, if I might. I was raised with the knowledge that the freedom I have gotten to experience in the United States should not for a single moment be taken for granted. But America is in danger. People are not being carted off to work camps, that's true. But that was also true for much of the Soviet Union as well. Gulags only existed for about 30 of the USSR's 69 years. And yet the stifling of speech... The fear of committing a crime today that wasn't a crime yesterday, the indoctrination, the censorship all persisted in the Soviet society until the USSR's last day. America is in a conformist movement of its own, and the signs are all too familiar for families like mine. There are a lot of terms associated with this time. Wokeness, cancel culture, and indoctrination are all front and center. There is a push from schools, corporations, media, and elsewhere for one woke monoculture. The right way of looking at wokeness and woke culture is as a set of deeply toxic ideas that are force-fed to the populace, in particular to children. Part of the philosophy 
and indeed the definition of staying awake to offenses is always to be seeking new targets for re-education. Racism, sexism, and general wrong think are always lurking somewhere and must be rooted out. The insidiousness of wokeism isn't a twist of fate. It's a strategy of brainwashing that has affected every corner of our culture. Leftism is deeply unpopular in America, which is why this woke language and behavior gets enforced through social and political pressure. The majority of Americans are not woke, and yet wokeness has an outsized influence at the top of academia, culture, business, and across media. The result? The power of this narrative vastly outstrips its actual popularity and general level of acceptance. The conformity of totalitarian regimes always had to begin with children. Children were the great hope of the realized utopian future. They belonged to all of society, not just the family to which they were born. If children could be convinced into the ideas the totalitarians wanted, their parents would follow. And if not, the disobedient parent could easily be removed from the equation. The erasing of problematic aspects of the past is a typical feature of those seeking to stifle dissent. If we have nothing in common, no shared experiences or familiar rituals and ideas, we are easier to sway and control. This history erasure has come to America. In the riots after the George Floyd killing, removing Confederate statues was the order of the day. But plenty of non-Confederates were dragged in along with them. Statues of Abraham Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt and Frederick Douglass were removed or defaced. When history cleansing gets going, it's hard to stop it. Across the country, statues of George Floyd popped up. His imperfections were not up for debate. His brutal death, captured on video, had shocked Americans. We had united in disgust and grief over what had happened to him, but even that unity in our totalitarian mimicking moment was simply not enough. Black Lives Matter is an idea as uncontroversial now as the earth is round. But because everyone already agreed with it, it couldn't simply be believed. You had to put a sign in your window to signal support for an idea that everyone already favored. You had to imagine there were people to convert to the cause, those who didn't believe strongly enough or didn't use the exact right words like anti-racist to describe it. Tyrannical societies have always demanded conformity and spectacle in the same way. The home is the last line of defense. In totalitarian societies, parents have to pretend to believe the lies the kids are taught at school lest they make themselves or their children a target. But in a free country, you shouldn't have to do that. Whose kid is this? In the home, you provide the answer. Mine. Rightly put, Carol. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960, 602-5080-960. Give us a ring. Well, that's a demerit, Bill. That's a demerit. You get one. David has only had one all week, so that's not so bad. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 I'm going to have uh, Sam Stone in a little bit later, and we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the Republican and Democratic primaries. Want to give a fair amount of attention to uh, the Robert Kennedy candidacy, which is early on showing some interesting signs 
uh, of life. Uh, he's now up to 19 percent in the polls. I'd, I'd love to run it by Sam. Some interesting thoughts. I I, I think interesting thoughts I have about this, um, this candidacy, which I heard Robert Kennedy Jr. say something really interesting today, which was he is running to regain the credibility of the Democratic Party he grew up with. You know, that Democratic Party that a lot of people thought Joe Biden represented, that Democratic Party that was kind of represented by, I don't know, Hubert Humphrey or Jack Kennedy or maybe even on some of his better days, Bill Clinton, the Democratic Party that we don't think really exists much anymore. The question is how much of a thirst for it is there and is that thirst there uh, to be slaked sufficiently by liberals who abandoned the Democratic Party over such things as the COVID restrictions, which are, you know, really the big issue for Robert Kennedy or one of his big issues, because there were a fair amount of liberals that got really mad at the Democratic Party over this. Your Bill Maher types, uh, we've interviewed a few, uh, Empower, Jennifer Say, people like that. So we'll talk about that. I also got, uh, I think, a couple con- – I think Debbie Lesko is going to check in with us and uh, David Schweikert as well. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Doug, I bet you – yeah, there you are. Sounds like you're yep. – I, I got you now. I'm here. All right. How are you, brother? I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, the there was a rumor that you moved out of state. Is that rumor yeah, true? The, it, the rumor is true, and it was because we were following the grandchildren. <laughs> but it doesn't matter where I am, uh, whether in art adventures anywhere in the West or Canada or in our new home. Uh, further east, uh, I listen to the Seth show every day. Well, you're very sweet. Home is where the heart is, and uh, thank yes. you. Yes, well, much. home. This this uh, show is my home. It's part thank of my you. ritual thank every you, day. Yeah. Nice to hear yeah. from you. Thank you. Um, I got to tell you, the last bit of your um, your dialogue there really hit home <clears throat> when you were talking about one of the great things the left does is it always claims the youth as their own because yep. they have to they have to sever the control we have over our children. That's so right. The authority is either going to be the state and the ideology or the parents who may know better, right? That's the fight. Oh, always. Yeah. Always. Well, we have some um personal impact that really hit home to my wife and we in some phone calls it really it just kind of shook us up. Uh, back in 2010, see, we're old enough to have uh, recent adventures all the way back in 2010. Yes, sir. Um, she was teaching a workshop uh, through a, a gallery, and uh, they were coordinating uh, and took a workshop over to China, a painting workshop. Okay. And um, China at that time was trying to open itself up to the world because that was the 2010 Olympics they were oh, holding yeah. over there. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, they traveled um, all the, through some of the big cities in China and saw some great sites. Ended up uh, for two weeks in a remote village on the north side of the Himalayas. Okay. And what was interesting about that is that many of the great Chinese cultural buildings 
uh, were all destroyed. Very little original Chinese architecture existed anymore because Mao wiped it all out right. in its extension of people. Right. Okay. And they have, there's many adventures that reinforced the terror of the state. They went nowhere without a interpreter. The interpreter was a communist Chinese plant, mm-hmm. and they all knew it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in every bus, and they could go nowhere without him. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that uh, that, that Sue asked, you know, was th- there was a dissident, a Chinese lady, they're very, very sweet lady. She had defected to China, uh, to America, and this was her first um, reentrance into her home, communist China. And she was always afraid she would be picked up, and, but she was both excited and scared at the same time. I get it. But what she did was this. Sue asked, why in this one street do the buildings have all these pockmarks? Does she say, you know, it's it's aging different than the rest of it? And she Uh said, when you look out and you see those old people that are bending over and working in the field, because they still had wooden rights. Right. Okay. And they did things like it was 400 years ago. She said, these old people were the children, when they were children, were the ones that the state had trained and conditioned and turned, many of them turned their parents in for saying things against the state. That was the wall they shot them. No kidding. And that That must have given a chill. That must have given a chill. Everybody there, it was like, oh, my God, the faith they're putting on is fake. They are a butcherous, horrorous thing. And these people had wooden rakes, and and they tilled the field by hand like it was 1600. But just before they left to go to the airport, they were getting on the bus, and my wife and the fellow, they said, we got to go to the bathroom. We can't go on this eight-hour trip. And one of them said, here, you can go in here. And they went into this building, walled off from the rest of the city, and all of a sudden there were there were tennis courts, and they went into the bathroom, marble halls and gold toilets and everything. And it turned out this was the communist headquarters of that area. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Everybody else ate dirt. Yes. But the communist Chinese separated themselves and controlled everyone from remember, there. It is, remember the Mercedes and Cadillacs and Ferraris yes. of Leonid Brezhnev. Yes, of yeah, course, yeah. of course. They preach utopia, and they, they keep the peasants in purgatory. It's kind of a double entendre when we refer to Mercedes Marxists around yeah. here, or Cadillac communists. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, but it's hard to it's hard people we we've got to wake up and start Yeah, start why to do we why that. here's a question for if you want to stay yeah. and answer this on the other side. Why do we sure. not why do we not see this about China? Well, why is it so sanitized? Hold that thought, let me take a break. Feel free to weigh in on that when we come right back. We didn't have that problem with the Soviet Union. We knew and agreed when Ronald Reagan said it was evil and the Washington Post hated it. The rest of us kind of understood it. Why do we not get that about China? Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Doug and Maricopa, are you still there, brother? I, I am, I am. So why is it, my question, why is it most of us could understand the uh, evil of the Soviet Union throughout the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, in a way that we can't appreciate the same thing in China. 
is it cultural? Is it so far removed? Is it that we have uh, done so much business with them? Is it that we have such a kind relationship, such a cordial relationship with Chinese immigrants here and knowing so much of their culture here, those who aren't Chinese communists, many of whom left Red China, as they would call it, and we just don't think of it that way? Is it a more alien culture? Why can't we grasp what is going on in places like Shenyun province? Well, uh, I have a number of ideas on that, and I think you hit on several of them. But uh, before we move on, I want to hit one last thing about the fact that those children, those old people were the children that turned their many of those parents in. And that wall was pot-marked from the bullet. Here's the interesting thing, the next question. On a small village out there, why in 50 years had they never replastered it? Yeah. It's it a, a daily reminder yep. of the yep. power of the state. There you go. Yep. They had no the, shame over it. They have no shame that everybody lives in meek terror. Right. Right. And they look every day they walk by the wall that their parents. There's a shame live. even in this country uh, when we execute the death penalty. There is a certain shame or at least privacy to it or quietness about it or concealment of it. Right. Um, That that is not true in tyrannies. Executions are public. Hangings are public. It's true in Iran as well. And it wasn't a crime against an individual. We worry about the crime against the individuals, harm, assault, rape. What the the communist, the brutal communist Chinese, who personally, we should know, killed more people than Hitler. Yep. And Stalin killed twice as many people yep. as Hitler. So yep. why we never worried? We we always worry about Hitler. Right. Stalin killed twice as many. Yep. The communist Chinese have killed more than Stalin and Hitler put together. They're the deadliest, most brutal force ever known on earth at any time. He makes the Mongol hordes look like none. There's he, something about brutal beyond yes, belief. Yes, I think there's something about. So many families here attached to families under Hitler's uh, Europe, Hitler's Germany and the countries he invaded that did such a good job, quite frankly, on building tributes and memorials to that, that we never really got with communism. Only about five years ago did we even get a Victims of Communism Memorial in Washington, D.C., and I bet most people have no idea where it is. Right, right, Only until, right. So there's there's something about the importance of a museum. I I think it's ever so important. But getting back to your la- yeah. last questions, I, I think there's they're so important to to really get down into this. And I again, you you brought up this book a while back, and I got uh, and it's incredibly powerful, and we all need to be able to read this. It's called I think I think it's unrestricted warfare. And uh, written by two Chinese uh, people back in the 90s. And it lays out unrestricted warfare is a total war against the United States. Yeah, and right. most of it is not military. Right. It's cultural. Yep. They, they, they laid everything they're doing now they, and everything they have done in 20 years was, was in this book. Right. And they said exactly what they were going to do. They're going to flood the universities 
uh, and they're going to put up a communist Chinese outpost known as Chinese Cultural Center. Yep. They know they can, anybody question it, they'll, they'll whine about racism. But their number one tool, and this is, gets back to why we don't assault it. When you think of Nazism, how, would we have allowed a huge section of, of our economy to be intertwined no, and intertangled financially so that leaders in no. both parties right. are financially tied to Hitler's you know, regime. Lucre. Lucre is because what did this. You know. th- then the disagreements would have been silent. Yeah. Even Mitch McConnell's family <laughs> owns a shipping business. Now, no one owns a shipping business in China unless, guess who's your number one partner? The country. The communist yeah. Chinese. Yeah. And if you think he's free to say anything when tens of millions of dollars is at stake, forget it. That goes for everybody. So I think that look at the NBA, they're willing to criticize the awful. most free country Just awful. around. Awful, awful, yeah. awful. No, yeah. we're doing it to ourselves at their behest, and they must be smiling and playing as they're playing us the fool. Mike, don't go. Doug, thank you. Mike, don't go away. We'll get to you when we come right back. Doug, always great to hear from you, wherever you are calling from. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade and local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The veterans at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, which is to say gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the only precious metals dealer, I and Seb Gorka, and thousands of you already know, the Midas Gold Group. 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Mike is in Carefree. Hello, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you? I uh, hope you're having a great day. I hope you are too, sir. I've been listening to you for about the last week, and there's a, a fundamental theme that goes through all of this with the kids, and it goes dates back to, like, I think 1869 with Sergei Nesheyev, who wrote the catechism of the revolutionists okay and and it basically lays out the framework for for basically making an amoral society i mean and and it was picked up by lenin beria stalin and it was reprinted in the 1960s by uh the black panther uh, okay part. okay okay and, and and it and it basically says that the revolutionary has no loyalty. Its only purpose is to destroy. Yes, yes. They're not rebuilding anything. That and 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 what we're teaching the children in school is just that you have no loyalty to your parents. Pavel Maratsov was just the, the classic example of that. Uh-huh. But everything about it when you when you talk about zero order economics that that there is oh, there's only one pot of money and so therefore you must take it from someone else mm-hmm. and and instead of saying that you have an expansion economy that that 
inflation is de- is defeated by industrialism and creativity, not not by raising interest rates. There's the, the there's, entire thing ahead. there is, yeah. is the destruction is is the lack of morality. And when you watch the these protesters in Portland, my hometown, uh, it's like they are completely without remorse. Yes. There's a there's a there's a deadness in their eyes, isn't there? Yes. It's almost it and shares it something with that. cults. It shares something with with the cults that we kind of knew in the seventies and eighties. Uh, and I suppose one might even think that you said the Black Panthers were were, were devotees of this theory. That they had a cult of their own, of course, as well. It was it was partly partly cult oriented. Something about the cults too here that rip away the family structure and want you to have no more contact with the family structure you grew up with, with your parents, with your family members. There's something very similar there I, you made me think of here in what you were saying, Mike. Because as, well, as, as Doug was putting it, I mean, the family is, uh, is, is, is the mediating institution between the individual and the government. And it is precisely the target of Marx and Engels in Chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto. They want to get rid of the family, which is why it was not alien to those of us who studied a little bit of Marx to understand why in the BLM curriculum they said they wanted to – they wanted to uh, they wanted to disappear the the Western notion of the family. That was that rang familiar to those of us who knew Marxism. Well, they get cover from racism as well in every yes. setting. Mm-hmm. And and ironically, the the cults that use this are some of the most racist. I mean, the Chinese are incredibly racist. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, you know, if you look at the history of slavery, the slaves that went to to China and there were many from Africa. They're, they don't exist today. Yes, just like the ones in, in Saudi Arabia, they were they were castrated. You know, it's 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 a it's a horribly racist thing that exists within Marxism itself. Uh, you can you can see it in the Soviet Union. Uh, you can see it in the anti-Semitism of Marx himself. Um, there is there 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 is no real. Um, as one might have it, utopian unity or 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 uh, circle of man or mankind, not without well, you can't, you can't, no. Yeah, go ahead. You can't you can't criticize China because you're a xenophobe. I suppose, even that, though that's, they are profoundly racist. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, try try being a Muslim in the Xinjiang province. Try that's it. Exactly what I'm saying. Try it. Yeah, you can't be. You will be in a concentration camp, and the NBA will defend them. Them, not the Muslims. The, the NBA will defend the Chinese. Yeah, no, it's a sick thing that's happened here. In in um, <clears throat> in the uh, Cultural Revolution that was re uh, reinvigorated uh, by Mao in the nineteen sixties, they uh, they had the four olds. I don't know if you're familiar with this olds O L D like ancient the four olds yeah. that needed to be gotten rid of culture customs. And habits, ideas, culture, customs, and habits. And uh, when you see the kinds of destruction that these Marxist movements, left-wing movements in America are engaged in, whether it's the destruction of statues or the renaming of parks or buildings or schools, 
or any number of the iconoclasms that take place here. That's exactly what they're doing. And you know what the worst insidious part of it is, too, that I think we have to be very honest about? It's part of this whole transgender in sports thing, too. The notion that there is no distinction between males and females. One of the markations, one of the demarcations of the Cultural Revolution was the disappearance of women, womanhood, as a scholar at Amherst Absolutely. put it. The disappearance that you get the idea from those uniforms, femininity, gone. Um, the, these are all to them, as Marx himself put it, gender was a social, family was a social construct. What's a social construct? That which is invented by man, not God. Well, Stalin, as horrible as he was, was an educated man who who actually did, in fact, quote other philosophers and so forth. Mao said, you only need the Red Book, yeah. and we're going to destroy everything, and you only need to learn the Red Book. There was the story of Pol Pot in Cambodia, who would grind up glasses lest you read for yourself. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're just devolving back to, yes, sir. you know, the the uh, ruling class. And, and because that, and the sad part is that always leads to a dark age, is because the intellect of the masses is always greater than that of the elite. Of course, by definition, of course. Mike, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Folks, you think about the uh, Biden administration's handling of the economy with the bank failures, the stock market volatility, the denials and misstatements about inflation, a possible recession on the horizon. But what if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or the stock market? You just heard Larry Elder talking about it. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%. Why Refi is locally based, I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. They just like talking about what it is that they do. When you meet with them, at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you can, too. A due diligence-approved firm, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. We're going to have Debbie Lesko joining us uh, in the uh, at the top of the next hour after the uh, top of the hour news break, I want to give her some great kudos and plaudits for her questioning of Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers yesterday. Also, want to get her sense of um, the efforts to uh, work on raising the debt ceiling with certain spending compromises that the Biden administration seems to be unwilling to even discuss. Uh, and folks. Have you seen this story? <clears throat> this is this is an amazing thing uh, that a reporter for the L.A. Times gave President Biden the exact question she proposed to ask him. And Joe Biden was holding that card with that question with her picture on it so he could identify who she was and she could ask that very self same question. 
you know, <clears throat> read between – don't read between the lines. Read all the lines. Read down to paragraphs 5 and 6 and 7 in the New York Times and the Washington Post when the story is about Joe Biden. For example, if you go down six paragraphs on a New York Times story yesterday on the Biden re-election campaign, this is not an op-ed. This is the fifth paragraph in the story. Strange as it may sound, the American government can function without a healthy president. Oh, really? Oh, really? I guess that's why they didn't want any of the medical records of Donald Trump, huh? Be right back.